here, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And today, we have an amazing show for you. We got Jeff from Freedom Wines. Pew, 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 pew. Everybody drink rosé. Rosé. So we sip rosé. We gonna sip rosé. Rosé. Sip rosé. Baby girl, she don't play. Don't play. So we sip rosé. We're gonna sip rosé. That rosé hour, baby. Sip rosé. Everything will be hey there, friends. It's Renee and fellow ho host. So we are so excited for another amazing episode, talking with you all, having good times, sharing good wine, all of those amazing things. Yes, I had to sip a little bit real quick because we are tasting some amazing rosé out of California. Um, it is Freedom Wine. And shout out to Jeff and his family. And we have a rosé out of Los Almos. Yeah, I'm going to butcher this. Santa Yanes Valley, AVA, Valens Family, uh, which is their 2017 Freedom Rosé, which was pressed directly from full clusters. Um, and it's like, unlike their first release, the wine was made pressing the grapes directly to enhance fair amount of color and so it is uh, got some great tasty notes, herbal notes like thyme, um, which are present with fresh red like strawberry, hints of earthiness, candied cherry finish with a well-rounded body. Enjoy this rosé chilled with paired uh, with mozzarella, feta, or monterey jack cheese and grilled chicken. Yeah, well, I want to say charcuterie all the way because, you know, it's giving you all the cheese. A good cheese board, fam. What, what I love. A charcuterie board is, and cheese boards differ because... There's no meat. Yes. Charcuterie has meat, cheese boards. So if you notice when we go out, like I use... I'd be like, let me get my separate cheese board. And you'd be like, I want a charcuterie. Yeah. Okay. The more you know. <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure, you know, specifically, like, you know, the meat on the board was the determining factor between it being considered a charcuterie board versus just cheese board. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Now we know. Man, let's get some more bells and chimes on that, man. We Education is key here. And that's what we like to do here at the Rose Hour podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Cheese boards are explicitly. Yeah, the root word is intended. It tells you the descriptor. Yes, yes, yes. So, what's going on with you? I, I, I see that a lot's happening with with your life and things. What's going on? Uh, well, you know, I'm here, and. Um, I've been like watching over my mom more closely lately. So it's interesting just spending more time with her now. Like, you know, in her in her older years. Yeah. So um it's just 
you know, giving it time to like bond with her uh, differently than, you know, your relationship growing up with your mom is different than you're older. Yes. You know, so, um, you know, just going through that. Okay, well, that's fun. Um, it's great to see that you are blossoming in a relationship and growing and loving and, you know, seeing your parents in a different light. And it's always a great thing to see your parents evolving, loving, and, and also, you know, having new experiences. It's always a great thing, right? So that's awesome. Cool. Any wonderful TV shows you guys are watching together? Um, well, you know the staples. So, I mean, it's, it's already like scheduled programming in the house. So it starts with, you know, uh, I usually get over there in the morning, so it starts with, like, Jerry Springer, and it goes uh, Judge Mathis. I want to say after that, it's uh, People's Court, and then it's Price is Right, and then we go in some uh, ID channel for a while. Oh. And then, you know, the evening programs. We do have Steve Wilkos, Mori Povich. And there's some game show network weaved into that around like about four or five, six o'clock. Then we have some more Judge Judy, and then after that, you know, we get into the Wheel of Fortune and the Jeopardy. So one of the topics that we we talk about now is um, the new Jeopardy host, because you know now on Jeopardy they swapped the host out after you know Alex Trevest passed away. Right. So. My favorite host so far is Anderson Cooper. Yeah, a lot of people say that he's pretty good. He sounds pretty much just like Alex Trebek. Well, I mean, he has a journalism background, and I think Alex Trebek did as well. It, it, but I mean, also, it's just his voice. Like, if, if you close your eyes and not really pay attention to the show, you would almost think it's Alex Trebek. Mm. Not just only by just the, the cadence, but it's, it's his tone of voice. He sounds like Alex Trebek. Oh. So it's like he does it just like him. So it's almost like, you know. So um, I know he can't do that show. Any other things going on? But, uh, I, I mean, like what, CNN? I mean, like that's a daytime job, to be honest. Like, I mean, like to be 100%. I mean, he just can go over. I mean, what's the guy? Ryan Seacrest has like nine shows on, on TV. So... <laughs> Why couldn't Anderson Cooper? I, I hope he does. I hope he does. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's all about timing, right? So I think, you know, it, it's all about, like, also making that transition because many people also have more, multiple shows and then they, like, Steve Harvey, you know, had the Steve Harvey show. I think it still comes on, but I'm not really sure. And then, like, he had his own TV show, like, the comedy show. And then, like, you know, he did several yeah, other shows on it. yeah which was called the Steve Harvey show right and then like he had the Steve Harvey talk show right. and now he's the host of a, of a game show like I feel like right. that's a natural progression for many celebrities and like maybe that's something that's on the brink for Anderson Cooper well Anderson if you're listening join Jeffrey as a host you do an amazing job that's what it's about, Anderson. It's all about the support. Yeah. We are here for Anderson. We're gonna start. We're gonna start a uh, move on. 
uh, petition for it. We have to. Um, we need him uh, hosting Jeopardy. <laughs> we definitely need him. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Well, I'm excited because we're talking to Jeff. Even though we talked about his wine, he's going to go further into details today about it. And maybe he can give us some Jeopardy style, you know, uh, information about wine because the way they make theirs is scrumptious. And then also what's really a fun fact about Jeff is he's a um, an attorney himself and he actually founded uh, the wine company because of some belief systems that he has um, and, and the work he does, hence the name Freedom Wine. So I'm really excited about that interview and talking with him and what he does and how he does all the amazing things out there in the CA, the Republic of California. A, we appreciate Jeff out there in the judicial system. Jeff. Yes, yes, yes. So next up, you guys are going to hear from the amazing Jeff right after this quick commercial break. Jeff. Hey there, friends. It's me, Renee Johnson, here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And today, I'm so excited because I stalked this company because they're so amazing. I love their wine. It looks so delicious. They're in one of my favorite places of Southern California, and they have some amazing wine. It is the amazing Jeff of Freedom Wine. Yay, Jeff! <laughs> Good morning, Renee. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really excited to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I mean, Jeff, you guys have some amazing wine and just the imagery I see on Instagram is so just cool and amazing. And I'm just curious, you know, like, how did you get into this wine game? I think the the general answer is drinking too much. But <laughs> the, the more specific answer is. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a couple friends in the wine industry who had a little side project. And back about 10 years ago, I got myself invited to a barn up in Sonoma County and started making wine with a couple of my industry friends who had day jobs as well, but made wine for fun on the weekends. And I got, I got myself hooked. And one year they stopped doing it up there. And I brought a buddy of mine up to central California bought all the equipment and on the way down bought my first two bins of grapes meaning my first ton of grapes and i've been making wine ever since in a in a garage in southern california and then long about 2016 i made the really terrible mistake of going commercial and i've been making wine commercially and non-commercially since 2011 commercially since 2016 and I don't see an end in sight anytime soon. Wow. I mean, that's a great way. You know, like, I think people, you know, have, like, hobbies that they they created because, like, they indulge and enjoy. But, like, you are really good at it. How did you become so, like, great at making wine? A lot of reading. You know, every... Um, I started with a class down here from a local small producer. I took a, a class at Davis. I read everything I could possibly read. 
You know, my wife still gives me a hard time about all the books and magazines and articles laying around the house, but that's the way to do it. And and then just talking to people. And, and the one really wonderful thing about the wine industry is everybody's helpful and everybody is supportive. And, it, and if, if I have a question, there's probably, you know, 10 different people I can call. Even strangers sometimes will help out and say, you know, you might try this and you might try that. Wow. And then also you named it Freedom, right? Like, where did you guys get that name from? That's a that's a really frequent question for me. And I've been a criminal defense lawyer for about 25 years now here in Southern California. And I was hoping for a number of years to start making wine. And when my practice got a little bit more successful and I got a couple employees that were able to help me out, and a very supportive wife that said, you need to do it. She gave me the freedom to do it. Oh. And and I started doing it. Wow. How symbolic is that? <laughs> You're fighting I for people's know, freedoms and you are having the freedom to do what you love. Corny, symbolic, you know, hopefully it works. Um, we make good wine and I hope people find it and like it. And that's why I'm really excited to be on your show and get the exposure especially during this you know terrible time in our lives yeah well and and also with this terrible time right one thing i do know is like people have found solace or some sort of like i i want to call it like celebration but like education opportunity in the alcohol industry right or in the wine and spirits where it's like People are learning like, you know what, I may have liked to go out to bars, but I didn't know what I liked to drink. I just drank because that's what I did in college or, you know, it was something that we did on the weekends. But now that I'm home all day, I'm learning more about what I like and my preferences. And more particularly, people are learning more about wine and getting educated at it. And so it seems like, you know, you're you're hitting the market at the right time because people want to learn more about what they're drinking. So how how do people like drink Freedom Wine more specifically? Like what is Freedom Wine? Like what types of wine are in your your collection, if you will? I'm a I'm a big fan of the Southern California wine production. Central Coast stuff, really. Most of my stuff is from Santa Barbara County. Um, Santinez area, Paso Robles area, and I really am kind of stuck in the Rhones. My my love of wine, I think, really was um, I don't know brought to a brought to a culmination in a Spanish Grenache, I think. And I'm really stuck in the in the Rhone field. Mm-hmm. I do Grenaches, Syrahs. I did a, a fantastic Zin last year from a, an amazing family-owned vineyard in Paso Robles. I'm really, I'm super, super excited because I've got my third year of Grenache Blanc coming out literally next week. It's sold out in, yeah, it's sold out in each of the prior two years. Um, I love, I love my rosés. I'm on my second commercial rosé and I've done, I don't know how many non-commercial rosés. This this recent rosé is a Tempranillo from Paso Robles. The one before was a um, Sangiovese from Los Alamos, and they're they're fantastic, fun, easy to drink, very approachable, very affordable. Um, 
I don't know. Did that answer the question? Oh, yeah, de- definitely <laughs> answers the question. Um, and more specifically, too, like, what is sort of like your harvest season look like? I know a lot of people are like interested in like, how does that happen for different vineyards and different companies? Like, what do you guys do during your harvest? Well, I've been I've been forging relationships with growers for literally a decade now. And every year we meet new people and explore, but I've got some go-to people that have been really supportive, starting with my garage production and now continue to be even more supportive because I'm buying more product from them. And there are two or three regular, four regular people that I buy from. And it's to the point now where they call me before the harvest and say, hey, do you want something this year? And if so, what do you think you want? And we'll be back in touch as it gets closer. And then they'll usually give us a call about a week before harvest and we'll talk about fine-tuning things and when we're going to pick up and because many of us have day jobs what what day is the best day to harvest and pick up and and bring down so we can process in the same day Um, so that's kind of the way it works but there's definitely a, a crunch time that occurs somewhere between august and october and it's hard but it's fun yeah and and that's pretty cool that like now people are like hitting you up as like the go-to person, like, hey, you know what? We got this for you. So that's awesome that, you know, like you're you're kind of becoming that person and cultivating those relationships in, in this time frame as well. So that's kind of awesome to hear. It, it's it's really cool. I've, I've been making the same Grenache for the last five years from the Adelaide district of Paso Robles. It's a little um, family-owned plot. And the first year I got it, his name's Tom Colburn. Tom looked at me and he said, you know, you're never getting this again. And I said, Tom, we're, we're happy to be getting it this year. We're really excited. Thank you for doing it. And the next year I called him and he said, yeah, I think I can squeeze some off for you. And then the year after that, he called me. And that that's kind of the way things go. So I make it easy for him. I show up when I say I'm going to show up. I buy what I say I'm going to buy. He makes it easy for me by giving me, you know, fairly priced, fantastic grapes. And every year I come out with this awesome Grenache. Well, that's good because like having an awesome Grenache, like I think there's like an oversaturation. I don't know if like that's maybe really the term I want to use, but there's a lot of Grenache out there, right? And there's a lot of wine out there, but like... To be able to cultivate that relationship and saying someone saying like, this is your one time, you know, we're not doing this anymore. And then like you put out a product, right? And it's amazing. And they're like, eh, all right, we'll do it again. <laughs> Goes to show the strength of the, of, of the wine that you really are cultivating and making, right? It proves that like you're making some great wine out there. I'm sure trying and I hope people people like it. And I'm going to keep doing it. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll keep working. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, I, I do I do have to say on that note that, you know, I am trying new things this year. And I'm really excited that in July I'll have my first commercial Pinot Noir coming out. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have my first commercial Sangiovese coming out. And for me, part of the fun is doing things that are different, not doing the same thing every year. And, you know, I think California got a little bit burned out on Pinot for a while. Mm-hmm. But I think there, 
I think that settled down and you know this should be a, a rock star I, I tried it a couple weeks ago and the same thing with the Sangio it's it's fun it's not like an Italian wine it's a it's a definite California wine and it's gonna be cool Ooh. so that's gonna I, 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 we're gonna get to this later because you definitely have to tell people how they can they can purchase and also you know get some of your amazing wine but I know that you guys also are a boutique uh, winery. So where where is your winery located? And, and more specifically, like, what can people do at your winery? So I make all of my commercial wine at a custom crush facility located in Camarillo, California. So that is, for those of you that aren't around here, it's Ventura County, which is just to the north or, or west of Los Angeles. It's a great little facility that's got a production, a full production facility in the back and a tasting room in the front. So my wines are available in two places. One is from me and the other is they're for sale at the Custom Crush itself, which unfortunately has been closed for literally a year, but it's looking like we're going to open really soon. And the way I think it's going to work out is we're going to do our, our, um, bottling in April next week and then once that's over because that's really crunch time at the at the facility once that's over we're going to work on opening the tasting room again oh wow I know that's exciting I'm so excited for you because it has been a daunting year and I know like opening that back up is going to be amazing and have people back and people vaccinated and wearing their mask or whatever, you know, it's just going to be amazing to just see people drinking your amazing wine. Again, it's going to be so satisfying. <laughs> really, really excited for that. But in the meantime, it's all word of mouth. You know, people find my wine by calling me and I get, I get calls, I get emails. Every once in a while, I get a, a fluky email from someone I don't know, but for the most part, it's friends and friends of friends and you know, I've got I've got my my loyal customers. I just did a, a great tasting a couple of weeks ago for an organization here in Ventura County, where you know, I pre-sold four cases of wine for this tasting. Which, wow. you know, even yeah, even in a non-COVID year, that's a big success. Yeah. And with with no events, no fundraisers, no tastings, no tasting room. It is tough, but we got to get creative. And, and that's what the year has done for me. It, it taught me how to be creative and, and find new niche markets. Well, one thing about, you know, wine, <laughs> there's always a season for us to drink it. <laughs> always a reason. Especially especially down here it does it does make it easier with this weather too but yeah no it's been going pretty well well good 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 and i also know you have a blog as well so do you want to talk more about your blog you know i i haven't been blogging so much lately um i need to get back on my on my horse it tends to go in spurts but you know as a as a lawyer i you know have done a lot of reading over the years, done a lot of writing over the years. I started a blog for my law practice many, many years ago. And when I finally launched a, a website for my wine business, you know, I, I write what's fun for me. I write about the new stuff coming out. You know, when we used to have events, I used to write about events. Um, I 
these days it's more Instagram talking about you know what I'm drinking with what I'm cooking mm. <laughs> but I, I will I will definitely get back on the blog I promise okay because I read them and they are good like I love the one you. that you have about the rosés like of course clearly I would love that <laughs> but the blogs you know, are great your your people are awesome people rosé people are are amazing you know they're they're phenomenal wines because they're so approachable. They're so easy to drink. They're so affordable. They're, they they work well with so many different types of foods, you know, from literally from beginning to end. And here in Southern California, you know, we've got the warm weather. So the, the cold wines, the cold service wines are a lot more prevalent, easier to drink, more appropriate, so to speak. And they're just, they're just fun. They're fun for social gatherings. They're fun with food. You know, I'm, I'm grilling something probably five nights a week and they're fun with barbecue. Oh yeah. It's just fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good time to have, you know, rosé, rosé all day, every day, you know, and it just, it's complimentary. <laughs> it compliments everything. I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with rosé afternoon every day. How about that? Well, that sounds actually better because you don't okay. want rosé mimosa sometimes. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Maybe on an occasional Sunday, but... Yeah, like on a Tuesday, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, Jeff, this has been awesome. I want to know, how can people connect with you, purchase wines, also like see your Instagram, so follow you on social media, all of the things of connecting to you guys? Well, my Instagram is Drink Freedom Wine. Um, my website is www.drinkfreedomwine.com. I would encourage people, honestly, to call me. The best way to get my wine is to call me. And if they're in California, we can get it anywhere in the state, very inexpensively versus, uh, via GSO. If they're local to me, you know, I've I've been finding lately. I've been delivering most of my wine in the in the Southern California area. It's fun. I get to meet people. I get out of my house, but we can ship anywhere. It does get a little more cost prohibitive going out of state, but I've shipped as far as Florida. Wow, that's amazing. And yes, I have some friends in Southern California, so we are definitely going to make sure they are connected uh, to make sure that they are able to sample and taste some of this amazing wine. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And now, of course, I have to ask this question as the last question, because it wouldn't be the rosé hour if we didn't ask. What is your favorite rosé? You know, the the first answer that comes to mind is the one that's in my glass, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say something a little more serious than that. But I like um, the brighter, fruit-forward um Rosés with a little, a little bit of acidity, not the stuff that's over the top, acidic, um, easy to drink. What I would call the kind of um, picnic wine style, mm. served well chilled. These days, I'm really happy to see it in a screw cap. You can take it anywhere. You can drink it anywhere. You can drink it with anything. It's not too expensive. It's not too snooty. It's just a good time in a bottle. I love that. And you know what? <laughs> I love that tagline. It's just a good time in a bottle. 
right? One one twist to release it. I love that. Just the flick of a wrist. <laughs> Well, Jeff, this has been so much fun, and we definitely have to have you back on again after bottling season. Love to. Yes, definitely. And we really want to say thank you so much. We're really excited to hear about more attorneys who are turning into winemakers as well, because this is like a life goal for yeah. myself. So I really don't, appreciate Don't tell it. anyone. Don't tell anyone <laughs> that. We might turn people off. I know. You go to law school to become a winemaker. I feel like that's really the thing people are doing nowadays. So <laughs> I whatever really, works. I know, right? Well, I really appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you so much for this time and cheers. Thank you so much, Renee. Thanks. Bye. Wow. Thanks, Jeff. I'm so, so just thankful for this interview and more specifically how you started this company and also everything you stand for because from attorney to attorney, you are doing some great things. So thank you for all you do. And also thank you for all you do in the wine industry because you are killing both. We appreciate you. So guys, don't forget to go to Creative Wines and make a purchase today because it's a great cause. It's a great reason. And you know what? Free your mind and the rest will follow. Freedom Wines. Get some today. <laughs> and if you know the song, you know the song. <laughs> want to thank you again, uh, Jeff, so much for being on today. Want to thank our team here at the Rose Hour Podcast. Uh, bartender Ben, Magdalene. Want to thank Fairhill Studios. Uh, and shout out to all the listeners. We really appreciate the support. Don't forget to continue to like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend, tell two friends. Uh, because we are trying to make sure that we are getting the word out about telling everybody about the great wines uh, and winemakers that are out there in the rosé industry. So please, please, please share, share, share. Follow, follow, follow. Like, like, like. We are here for it. And don't forget to uh, visit us on our website, therosehourpodcast.com. We have some merchandise and also you can hear previous episodes there. So don't forget to go today and uh, follow us on all our social media, The Rosie Hour Podcast. We keep it easy. Until next week, friends. Sip, sip, hooray. Cheers. Yeah. 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 Yeah.